Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. And I want to talk to you about having a spiritual father and the importance of that and some of the things that the Lord has uh, helped me to see about that over the years. So first of all, let's go to uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, praise the Lord. I know we've been teaching on the fivefold ministry uh, the rest of this year, and there's some little things I could have put in to talk about on that too, but I just felt impressed that I should talk about this uh, because... Um, it's so important to to really have a spiritual father, and uh, and I know a lot of people claim to have one, but in my opinion, they don't, and because uh, I know them and I watch them, and they don't listen to me or they don't listen to their other people. They say this over, them. but anyway, I want to talk about it because this is what I want to say seriously. If you're in a fivefold ministry gift, you're going to flounder the rest of your life if you don't have somebody that you're accountable to. And I'm not talking about a group. I'm talking about one person that can sit down with you eye to eye and can say anything that they need to say to you without you getting upset and offended and getting mad. And most people can't do that. So, And that doesn't mean that we're always the big corrector. We may just point out some things that need to be said that in view of the scope of what they say they're called to do and what fruit has come out of it, maybe none. And, you know, you've got to just say, well... What are you doing? You know, hallelujah. I'm not here to challenge everybody. But I'm here to say to you, I'd say besides my salvation, my new birth, and being filled with the Spirit, having Dr. Dufresne in my, and the Bible, of course, but having Dr. Dufresne in my life has been a major, major rescue for me. And continues to be. I'd say even now, 20 years later, it's even more important to me now to stay connected. I was reading something, it may be in some of the notes we'll look at uh, together during the second half of today about, you know, I think it's on the notes I gave Donna, it may be in some of these others, I'm not sure, but it said, it's really something when you can be 70 years old and still be a son to somebody. Because, you know, when you get around 55 or 60, and sometimes some of them are 25 and 30, they think they know everything too, but when you get a little older, you can have a little more under your belt and the thing, the comment was, how do you still remain a son when you're now a father yourself? See, there's, that, there's an edge on what I'm saying there if you're listening. And you've got to judge yourself and monitor yourself that you're still a teachable person. It's not that you don't know anything. If you're older and been in the, in the Word for 30 or 40 years, for goodness sake. I, I always say it this way just to be funny. I've been to a couple county fairs in the hayride, and there's a whole lot of dirt in that comment that I've had to deal with with people and put up with with people and deal with myself and deal with my flesh well I could really take off on that but I think I dealt with some of that when I talked about Otisco for you if you were not in that meeting it was in mentoring here I talked to you about living through Otisco, my Otiscan years I feel like a monk when I say that and that's just one church. There's been issues in this church. There's been issues. There's issues in everybody's church, if they're honest. 
But I'm not saying that to say we got a lot of problems. Most of them have gotten rid of those things now. And we've grown in through the other side of that and learned how to deal with people. We're quicker to discern problem, problem people and stuff like that. I don't know if I'm making sense to you. I'm just trying to get started here. But see, you, you get to a place and you have your own ministry. And uh, you're pretty busy. But if you're not careful, you'll blow off the opportunities you should have took to be with your father. Because you think you're more important now. And you'll have to judge yourself on that as you get to the place where that becomes an issue. For some of you, it's not an issue at all right now, but someday it may be. And then you have to discern, well, do I want to go to this meeting and get a big offering? Or do I want to go hear my spiritual father and spend $4,000? That's a real deal right there. That's the real deal. <laughs> Let's put my finger on or maybe you just spend $400 versus going somewhere and getting a $100 offering. But see, that's still an issue. You've got to decide what's more important to you and what do you treat as a priority. Now, I'm not complaining. So don't get touchy. And don't hand this CD to somebody that you think I'm talking about. But I got, <laughs> I got several sons that blew off my 40-year celebration because they're just too busy. They didn't even say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to come support you, doctor. I love you, but go to you know where. They didn't even say that either on the negative side. They just said, well, I'm busy. I, you know, I got stuff to do, and so I won't see you. Now, now, I'm not talking about just an event. This was an event to celebrate me and her 40 years of ministry, and some of those people I've known a long time of that time, and some not so long. But either way, it got blew off because it wasn't a priority now I'm not mad about it I don't need their card and their, their offering that's not it if they didn't show up and eat our food you know because you had to pay for it you know what I mean I'm just being honest though now you think about that that's just a meal and a drive somewhere for some people and yet on the other hand I had Pastor Dennis came with his wife and children uh, you know I had others come uh, you know Pastor Dustin came from Texas and he's got two members, so you know he had to put out some money to do that. I don't know if somebody helped him, but I'm, I'm glad if they did. But he came, him and Alicia, just to celebrate. Pastor Johnny and Pastor Debbie, they flew all day, <laughs> got in late the night before, a couple of days before, maybe day before. and and uh, But then they were only there with me that evening and had to leave early in the morning to get back to California. I just thought, man, what kind of people are these? <laughs> these are covenant people, you know. You know, California is a long way to fly. Just sit down and have a meal with somebody. Trust me. If you if you're not used to going to California, you don't know what I'm talking about. You go see Grandma once a year or two every two years. She lives in Georgia. Big deal. I'm just talking to you here. It takes money to do that, and they don't give those seats away for nothing, even for your kids. And he brings the whole clan. So you see the contrast there. Of course, you know he's a little older. He maybe has some more money, could do some more. But still, his heart was to come and celebrate that with me. And then when they got up, there were a few words that they said were heartfelt that I was a covenant person to them. That meant the world to me. Of course, I think the biggest thing to me was my own children getting up and saying what they said. Because I realized, of course, I discerned that too, but I realized they've not only been taught well, 
but they've caught something from me and their mother they've caught what it meant to live with a person of faith and to try to emulate that same working in their life and and they're at a different level than we are but they're learning and they're I could tell they caught it and if they'll continue to feed it and nurture it it'll grow and mature and be be you know everything it needs to be I'm kind of rambling here but I'm just talking here because see this has to do with honor and I'm going to talk about that the second session of course I already jumped in it I guess and it's not hurt feeling it's just I've just had to evaluate well I guess I just don't mean to those people what I thought maybe I meant you know I can't do everything either see but now if they call me and said doctor like Dr. Frank next year celebrating at his camp meeting which is coming up in two weeks and I'm going to this year but next year it'll be his 50th year in ministry and he personally asked Pastor Diane and I to make sure we came and we said we would because he's important to us he's valuable to us and if he's going to celebrate a 50 year landmark we want to be there to do our part bring our supply pray bring an offering you know honor him any way we can that's what I'm trying to say here hallelujah so you know, I'm just talking to us. I'm not trying to gain any ground with anybody. I'm just, we've got to evaluate this, this part of our ministry. And that's why we put such a strong title to this, spiritual father or spiritual failure. Because without that person in your life, and it could be a woman. I'm not saying it had to be a man. But it just goes over better if I'd said if I had spiritual father or mother. You know, it had been a long title. Like extra printing. <laughs> Don't get touchy. Yeah but somebody that you're looking to for that knows God better than you that's walked with God longer than you that loves you that's the thing that really loves you you know I talk a lot about all I've received from doctor but he really loves me you know what he did I'm going to tell you what he did some of you know some of you don't but he said you know you need to come do a California what do you call it tour and I did one one time I don't know how many years ago that was I went to several churches on a one 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 deal you know one time and so I said well you know maybe but you know I, I have a hard time calling people about coming now if somebody's asked me like Pastor Owings asked me to come to a meeting he and I've been talking because he asked me to do a meeting at his church so but I have a hard time calling people and say hey I'm going to be in your vicinity would you like to have me that's just something that is I don't know just pray for me maybe I need delivered from that <laughs> The doctor said, you need to get delivered from that. Come on. He tells me that too. But then the next thing I know, he's sending me a letter saying, here's where you're going. <laughs> well, first of all, he said, can you come the week after camp meeting? Can you stay another week? And pastor was with me in that meeting. We were in Paducah when he asked me that. And I said, I talked it over with her. And she said, yeah. And so I, I went back and said, yeah, I could do that. So then, then the next week I get a letter. Here's where you're going. And, and he got me set up in his church and uh, Pastor Romos and then uh, Pastor um, Patrick, what's his name? Blanton. Then Pastor Simons. Then Pastor Fayou. I don't know if I left anybody out. And then Pastor and the guy with the Indians, Pastor Michael um, O'Laughlin. Michael Patrick O'Laughlin. We're both Michael Patricks, but anyway. Top of the morning to you. 
Yeah, my birth name was Clooney. I'm about as Irish as you can get. Michael Patrick Clooney. But anyway, so then he says, yeah, I'm going to let you use one of my airplanes, and I'm going to have Mitch take you around to do that. Wow. And then last time I said, yeah, I'm just going to have you take the jet. Well, I'm moving on up. And Mitch is going to pilot, and then we charge the people, you know, to help take care of fuel and all that. But see, he, he's very benevolent to do that. Amen. Plus, he has meetings and stuff, you know. So anyway, see, I'm trying to tell you he loves me, not just because he did that, but he did that because he loves me. Uh -huh. And he trusts me, and it meant a lot to me because I didn't say anything about it. He just wanted to know if I was available. And he set the meetings up himself. I didn't have to call anybody. <laughs> And I wasn't going to say, are you sure they want to have me? <laughs> oh, shoot. Huh? He's my he, agent. He's my agent. <laughs> yeah, I well, yeah, talk doctor refrain about my comment. <laughs> and he, then he teases me, you know. He says, I told him, you, somebody, he said, somebody asked me if you'd come. And I said, yeah, if you got a Nordstrom's. And they, I said, doctor, stop that. I don't have to have a North. Maybe a Dillard's, but not a North. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Pastor Prosser, what's a Nordstrom's? Yeah. Well, I know how to spell deer stand, but I've never been in one. Don't have any desire to be in one. I could have said that to him. What's a deer stand? You're not standing on a deer, are you? Yeah, all goes well, you will at the end. Yeah, we're just different folks, you know. Pastor Prosser was funny that day. He said, what, what's a Nordstrom's? Everybody talking about a Nordstrom's. Hmm. All right, where am I at? First Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. So... Paul is addressing Timothy as his spiritual son here. He's not his biological son, but he says he's my own son in the faith. And then I like what he says, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, there's going to be grace on you and mercy and peace because we're connected and we're moving in this together. Then go to Titus chapter 1. Let's look over here. Here's another gentleman in the New Testament. I kind of have Titus in my mind like a biker. You know, he's got a bandana on. He's got a leather belt. You know, well, he's not a mama's boy like Timothy. Seemed a little more whatever. But anyway, because Titus, if you read the book, you, you know how he told him to behave with these people. And he sent him down to people and he said, they're all liars. And, you know, so they're not the most tame group you've got to deal with. But Titus says uh, in Titus chapter 1 and verse 4, to Titus, my own son after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. So both these men, though not biological sons or spiritual sons, connected to Paul. They're listening to Paul. They're under Paul's authority to some level and uh, so forth, and accountable to him and so forth. And then so we see this, this common thread through the Bible that I used to never see. I never saw that until I began to understand something about spiritual fathers and spiritual sons. 
In fact, I couldn't have written this book when I first met Doctor in 93 because I didn't even know the term. I didn't even know the term was in the Bible, and I'd read my Bible a lot, and especially the New Testament. And I don't know, maybe I was asleep. Maybe I was not paying attention. But there's a lot of things like that we can do, can't we? When we read and we're not thinking about a certain issue, it doesn't seem to jump off the page to us. But when I hooked up with Doctor, after a while, I began to see there's a pattern here about spiritual fathers and spiritual sons and daughters. Now let's go back here to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me get this introduced a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, if you don't know it, uh, I think most of the pastors would know, but uh, maybe even the church members, that uh, the church at Corinth was a pretty carnal church. Uh, you know, they, they had some issues about strife and uh, divisions in chapter 3, and, and then later they had problems with, uh, uh, you know, people being full of pride. And I think 1 Corinthians 8 maybe and then 1 Corinthians 11 and stuff. Some of them getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. They just had a lot of issues and a lot of carnality in this church and a lot of problems. And Paul is addressing some of this in chapter 4 when he says in verse 14, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, again sons, he uses the word sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Now isn't that interesting here? He's talking to them and warning them. And he says, I'm not writing these things to make you feel ashamed. I'm trying to help you here. And he says, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ. Boy, do we have a lot of instructors in that anointing lately. You know, you got Brother Copeland. You've got... Benny Hinn and, uh, but how many know those men are not pastors I don't care how many times you say Pastor Benny he's not a pastor he's just not I mean even if you put him in a church with a group of people and a band behind him that don't make you a pastor <laughs> he's not anointed to do that but what I'm saying and we're all learning I'm not picking on him but what he's saying here is uh, though you have all these instructors in Christ or in the anointing Yet you don't have many fathers in the, the Bible in basic English, which is a pretty good translation, I think, the more I study with it, or I mean look things up. Uh, it says you have but one spiritual father. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. In other words, he's saying because of my teaching to you, you got born again. Now, when I first read the word begotten, I thought that just meant born again. It includes that, but it means a lot more than that. In the Greek it says, I'm the one who has ministered to you life ongoingly. Now, who would that be? Who would that be if you're a member of this church? That would be me and Pastor Diana. We're the ones that minister life ongoingly. You know, we have guests and we have special meetings and different. And when I'm traveling, I have some of the other guys speak or ladies. But, you know, this is what Paul is saying here. I'm trying to get your attention, Paul's saying, because I'm the one who has ministered to you ongoingly and I'm the one that caused you to be born again. I didn't make you born, but I taught you how to. And I was thinking about this recently because I, I know I had a couple in my church. This would be a perfect illustration of this. They, uh, they didn't fit in too good. You know, they weren't mean or anything, at least at first. And, uh, but I noticed they came late and sat down, left early, never engaged anybody, never shook anybody's hand that I knew of. 
and then after maybe a year came to see me and they had a gripe on them you know they had a murmur in them pastor we just want to tell you we don't think your church is very friendly so I let them have it I said well you've been with me a year you've heard me teach and I said let's just let's analyze that in light of the word the word says you know to assemble ourselves together and to learn to love the brotherhood but I noticed that you always come in late every I've never seen you on time for any service and I noticed that you exit out while I'm still praying I've looked and seen you going out the exit sign so if somebody wanted to be friendly in my church to you they'd have to wrestle you out in the pavement tackle you to shake your hand or to engage you in any kind of meaningful conversation. What is wrong with your head? You, sir, never come to any of our men's fellowship. If we come and pray together, you're not a part of it. If we come for me to teach you something as a man, you're not a part of it. If we go play golf, you're not a part of it. And ma'am, same for you. You don't come to the ladies' meetings. You don't do this and you don't do that. Now tell me what you just said again. Whose fault is that? And I quoted the scripture, if you want to have friends, you're going to have to show yourself friendly. My God, you act like we got the plague. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. So who's really the unfriendly people? Yeah. Come on. Well, they didn't like that, of course, but it was the truth, and I didn't apologize to it. And I said, well, just, I'm, you know, if you're going to be a member of my church, for God's sake, be a member. Plug in with us. Yeah. I have special prayer meetings. You never show up for any of them, I notice. You don't come to any of our picnics when you can eat a hamburger. <laughs> play badminton or whatever it is that you want to do Amen. I don't get it with you people now if they were just here three three weeks I might have been a little gentler but they always was big mouthing like we're, we're really spiritual anyway so I just turned it right back on them you're so spiritual let's turn the light on this a minute <laughs> and you know they, they stayed for a little while longer I don't know why and personally and they left and then the next time I saw them you know it was just amazing to me this lady looked like she didn't know how to fix her hair no makeup come in in blue jeans sloppy him too next time I saw her she's decked out like she's a whore down on 3rd street with her husband but she's all decked up he still looks like a slob but you know she's all decked up I wonder what in the world happened to you lady so I decided to ask her not what's going on. I didn't tell her she looked like a whore from 3rd Street. <laughs> a lady of the evening, Diana says, sounds nicer. You can call her whatever you want to call her. I'm just telling you how it looked. <clears throat> and so anyway, <laughs> eh, no wonder people don't stay sometimes. I know. That's what you're thinking. <laughs> No, I was real sweet, but I said, where do you go to church now? Oh, we don't go to church. We just listen to so-and-so on TBN. Oh, he's our pastor. And I said, well, he's our pastor. Seems to me he lives in Taiwan or Philippines or Japan or something. Is that right? Oh, yeah. And, and, and what do you do with your tithe? Oh, we send it to him. I said, I guarantee if one of your kids pass away, he's not going to bury him. I didn't say that last part. I just want to see if you're paying attention. So, see, you got a lot of instructors, but you don't have somebody that's going to father you. And part of that's not just the absence of fathers. Sometimes that's true. There's not any fathers to pastor because a lot of the pastors 
you know, in the earth are not really pastors. They're just good businessmen. They know how to gather people. They're smart. They know how to raise money. Administrators. You've got to be an anointed person if you're going to be a pastor. So I'm not, you know, I'm just talking. Just listen a minute. And so I'm... They have no connection, this is my point, they have no connection with the real father in their life. That's like the other gentleman that, uh, you know, decided to disconnect from me. He said he was a spiritual son. Him and his wife called me, asked me to take to go to lunch with them, and then they presented to ask me to be their spiritual father and then got upset with me at some point in time. I don't know why. They never told me a direct reason and said they want to disconnect and I said well if you could talk to me I'd like to talk to you a minute about it and and he said okay and I said well so are you going to have a spiritual father or just forget the whole thing well I'm going to have a spiritual father well could I ask you who you're going to connect to I'm just interested I mean I know you're disconnecting from me and that's fine uh uh brother Copeland Kenneth Copeland yeah Kenneth Copeland I said, do you know Kenneth Copeland? No, sir. Does he have your phone number? No, sir. Have you ever met him? No, sir. Has he ever prophesied to you? No, sir. So what you're going to do then, in essence, you're just going to go to his corporate meetings and buy buy his tapes off his table and go home and feed on that and preach that, but you don't have a relationship with him. Well, I'm not saying that. Yeah, that's what you're saying. If he doesn't know your face and he don't know your name and he don't have your phone number and you don't have his phone number, what would you call that? I said, so what's really the issue between us, sir, is that your interpretation of spiritual fathers is not mine and mine is biblical. Because Paul said, you know, I want to see your face. And he talked to Timothy and Titus as my own sons in the faith. Don't you think if somebody was really a son to me, I would know it? And I'm not talking about just preachers. There's people, good sons and daughters in this church that are good sons and daughters to me. Some of them better than some of the preachers. So I'm not putting anybody down just because they're not in ministry. That's not it. I'm talking in a broad spectrum here. But see, you've got to have somebody in your life. Uh, and like he says here, in the uh, Bible, Bible in basic English, you only have one spiritual father because that gets confusing if you don't. I mean, to me, that's just like me saying to Diana, well, I love you kind of, but and I'm going to live with you Monday through Friday, but Saturday and Sunday I'm going across town and live with somebody else. I'll see you Monday morning. You know, I'm about to get divorced. I'm about to get, you know, maybe murdered over that. I don't know. <laughs> She's looking kind of stern here at me. Something serious. Something serious. And wouldn't that be right? You know, you can't have more than one spiritual father. And that's another issue that comes up, people jumping around. Jumping around all the time. And, and what happens is, and I know this for a fact, one person left me, and part of the reason was, you know, they felt they had to uh, tithe to me. And I didn't teach that. One of my sons taught it at a meeting where they were at. But I noticed they departed from me shortly thereafter. So I put two and two together too. But here's my point. You don't have to tithe to me. Let me straighten that out first. I've never taught that verbatim. You have to do that. I don't say you have to do anything. Now, if you cause me a lot of problems and you're close to me, then naturally I'm going to confront you pretty quick because you're at a different level. 
you know, if you're in leadership of some sort. And, uh, but then hooked up with a person that demanded it. And I got that from some reliable people that, well, he does it. He requires it if you're going to be a son to him. Hmm. So sometimes people can jump out of the frying pan into the fire, not realizing, you know, and then the same, the same, same, same person I'm thinking of and others, they've jumped around. They've been with three spiritual fathers since they've left me in the last six or seven years. And one of them's an accountant. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure he thinks he's an apostle or something. That's the guy I'm thinking of. But anyway, you know, you you can't get an apostolic anointing from an accountant. I don't care how good he is with figures. <laughs> You're just not going to get it. Yeah. Come on. You know, you might get an anointing about uh, being a, a bookkeeper. Yeah. I'm just talking to you. You can't give what you don't have. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting somebody down for being an accountant. We need anointed people that can administrate. Here's one right here, Miss Victoria. They've got a strong anointing. Yeah. I mean, Miss Victoria and Trish Wells, you could put them, you vice president and president as far as not. They take care of it. Yeah, you know Nancy on TV? Nancy, what is she? What's her, Nancy Grace, and what's the guy that goes to 10 Most Wanted or something? John Walsh, run them for something. <laughs> They'll take care of it. And the guy, the guy down in Phoenix, the, the Arizona sheriff guy, <laughs> Joe Arpeggio or whatever his name is, man, he'll get it done. <laughs> you know, those guys in jail, they had TV, they had porn, magazines, and he took them out in the middle of the desert and made them live in a tent. Took their porn away from them, took their TV away from them. Took a lot of heat from the liberals over that. <laughs> yeah, he said, we make our soldiers do that. You shouldn't have committed the crime. You're going to do the time. You're going to do time my way. If you act nice, I might give you a privilege back, but I'm not going to give you sin. You know, he's just right. And he's thinking. I don't even know if he's saved. <laughs> I don't know. I like those kind of people. If they're, you know, ethical about things. They, they're interviewing him and another guy down in the south, some kind of uh, county sheriff, and they were belittling, belittling him for his deputies, catching a thief going out of town. I mean, they just beat the tar out of him, wrecked his car and everything. And they said, what gave you the right to do that? Everything gave me the right to do that. Stay out of my business. <laughs> they elected me to be the sheriff around here, and by God, that's what I'm going to be. You understand that? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Town tamer. Oh, I'm sorry if I stepped on your liberal feelings here. I better get back in the Bible here with you. I got, I got, I got all the, you know, I'm getting my assembly, my Nancy and John Walsh and, and Victoria and Trish. And, well, put them for the IRS. They'll take care of it all. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Oh, my gosh. You didn't pay for a comedy routine today. I don't know. Oh, praise the Lord. So we're talking here about in all their problems and all their situations. That's why he says, I'm not writing this to shame you. But what you need to do is you need to get back in line with me as your spiritual father. Look at verse 16 and 17. Wherefore, I beseech you, 
be ye followers of me. In other words, get back in divine order here and I can help you. For this cause I've sent unto you Timothy, who's my beloved son. Again, he mentions Timothy as his son here. And faithful in the Lord, who will bring to your remembrance my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. So I can say from that positively, he was teaching divine order and being hooked up correctly to somebody every place he went. Whether we can find it or not, it says right there, he taught that everywhere and in every church. So there ought to be some level of order in every church where they have someone who they are relating to. How many understand that? I wasn't here one, you know, I travel a lot, many of you know that, and I wasn't here one Sunday, and a guy came in our church. I don't, my daughter may have talked to him, but somebody told me. He said he's an apostle, and he'd come here and straighten out everything for me. He's just blessed I wasn't here that day. I just straightened out something for him. <laughs> You know, like Pastor Nancy says, you didn't lay on the laboring table to have my children. Get out of my business. Well, nobody laid on the laboring table for me for this church. I'm the one that did that, and it's my business. I'm the one that labored to bring forth the fruit here. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just saying stay out of my territory. Nobody gave you a right to speak into my life. I didn't ask you to be anything to me. Come in my church and act like you're going to straighten everything out. Yeah, people do that to me about twice a year now average just some weird person comes in and acts like they're going to do this and I said well wait a minute here you're not even a member and I didn't ask for your opinion and I don't want to say it like this but I want to say just sit down and shut up and learn something then maybe we'll talk in five years but what gives you the right to come in and tell me what you're going to do this is not a free for all thing and when we read stuff like this in the Bible, we start seeing there was some structure to things. I mean, you know, we don't think anything about it today because people come and go as they please. Nobody ever confronts anything except you can tell I confront things periodically when it's needed. But in that day when you left the church, baby, you were hard-pressed. If you got discommunicated out of the church, like the guy that, you know, was sleeping with his father's wife, man, he had a hard way to go. And the second letter to Corinthians tells about it. He says, forgive him. He suffered enough. He had no protection. He had no covering. <laughs> you know, it's just amazing to me. I'm talking about something here today. I'm not mad at anybody. not out to get anybody. God's not out to get anybody. If he's out to get you, you'd already been got. Me too. But I, it's, it frustrates me when somebody in my church has been with me that I know personally and worked for me and leaves me and goes down the road to another pastor and I called this pastor out of courtesy and talked to him and I said listen I know this person's supposedly coming to your church now he's a wonderful musician but he's not a very good person and this is what he did to me I'm just giving you a heads up sir he got quiet he didn't even respond you either listen to me or listen to your feelings or whatever you want to do sir but I think it's courteous of me just to take the time to call you to tell you this guy will do you harm if you let him in the leadership. And, you know, I got made fun of for that at, at first from that other church's leadership because it got around that I called. called it, and, he call, and then he called me about another couple that left, was left with the person that I mentioned. You know, they're all musicians. We're not unaccountable to anybody. They're not even accountable to God. 
the way they act. And he called, and I said, well, I wouldn't let them be in position because this and that and the other. And I gave, spelled out some reasons why. I said, you're, it's dangerous to do that. You, you, you of all people, pastors, should know that. It's not like he'd just been in the ministry a year or two. He's been in the ministry longer than I have. Again, he just got real quiet. So eventually, it took a few years for everything to catch up. But eventually, the pastor's wife told some lady in my church, yeah, your pastor was right. He did the same thing to us he did to your pastor. Just took a few years for that to manifest. See, we're not out to hurt people, but we don't want people intentionally, when we know we could maybe give a word that would be constructive and say, you know, I wouldn't do that with this person. I had another person on my platform, a musician. They're not all bad that are musicians. But musicians are a different lot, if you don't know that. Them and your prayer people. Oh, boy. If they're not under a strong leader and under correction and under direction from somebody that really knows how to pray. Because I've had that happen too. I've had a bunch of ladies get together. It could have been men, but it was ladies. And they got together to pray for all the pastors in Southern India. If I ever saw any improvement, I couldn't tell it. And I tried to talk to them about it calmly and sweetly, and they tried to rebuke me. None of them were submitted to a pastor. They got together to pray for all the pastors. Yeah, and so anyway, this person on my platform, they, they left already because they, see, they just came to do their musical thing. I'm just talking. Do you mind me talking? See, we're talking about fivefold ministry, but this is part of it. It didn't just you get up and preach and take an offering, lay hands on people, they fall out, and you feel special. There's a lot of other stuff goes on behind the scene. That's right. Yeah, I know how people think, humans, how humans think that aren't spiritual and that don't have their mind and never heard a real man of God tell them what it's really like. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just talking. But one of my musicians left my church, and if I'd have known about it, I would have called him out and confronted him or turned him in. I mean, I, I was so mad. And then he left, not that he left, but he left, and the next week I had one of my young married ladies came and saw me and Pastor Diana about him trying to hit on her, calling her up, driving by her house, saying provocative things, inappropriate things. And he was married too. I was so hot. Yeah, you know I could be hot, maybe. Maybe you don't know. I'm such a nice person. But I was really frustrated when she came in and told me that. I was so devastated that somebody in my church would have done that. And so he's over at another he's over at one of my friends' churches. Not just somebody I know has a church, somebody that I preach with, somebody that I know well, somebody that I've known for 20 years. And Pastor and I, just a few days after that discussion with the lady, the married lady, we were at another event with uh, some other pastors, and they were present, him and his wife. And I said to them, we went to the driveway to get in our car, and said, could, I, could my wife and I speak to you and your wife for a minute before you head out? Yeah. And I brought him over and I said, now this guy here, listen, this, I didn't know this when he was with me. This is what he did. And he come over to his church. And he come to your, over to his church and I said, he plays an instrument. He's going to try to get up on your team, up on the, uh, you know, on the platform. And I'm telling you, he is, he's corrupt inside. Now, maybe he could be restored, but I'm just telling you what I know he did. And that's just what I know of. I mean, he could have done a lot of other things that I don't know about. But, I mean, when he came on to one of the ladies in the church and started flirting and saying, let's go, you know, calling her, let's go fool around, all this stuff, would you meet me? And just wild stuff. And uh, 
you know what he did? He put him right up on his platform, let him play music. Yeah, he probably was already up there, but wouldn't confront it and take him down. Then he eventually left him. So, you know, I'm just talking here. See, a pastor is to be a father. Let me ask you, do you think you're a pastor? Maybe you are. Are you going to be? Would you let somebody do that to your daughter and not be upset about it? Then you're not qualified to be a pastor because it's a spiritual father that's the pastor in the local church and then the local church pastors and ministers they need a spiritual father over them that's why I have Dr. Dufresne and if things come, come against me or th- I'll call him sometimes and say what would you do in this setting or agree with me that this will get straightened out and if he says well I would do this or I would do that then that's what I do Unless the Lord says, no, wait, and da-da-da. But typically, he's already been there. He's already been through stuff like that. He already knows, just like I already know. Just like another pastor friend of mine called and said, my secretary's saying this and doing this. I said, set her down today and fire her. Get your wife on the phone. She got on the phone. And, and when I said that with, in front of her on the phone, she said, that's what I told him. I said, well, she's right. This lady's going to cause you a corporate damage, a collateral damage. The longer she stays because of her position, she doesn't have your heart. She doesn't respect you anymore. She does not honor you. The flags flew up. I mean, I've been there before, not with my secretary, but the point I'm making, I've had people like that in positions, and the longer you leave them, the more damage they do. (laughs) You're not being mean. You're trying to keep your church correct. The longer she stays, the more people she'll take with her when she leaves. And you know, he didn't take my advice. And that happened just like I told him. And pulled out four, five, six other good families, at least at that time they were. But they started having dinner with this family, the church secretary and her husband, and started listening to stuff that wasn't even accurate. I mean, it wasn't even accurate. It's one thing if somebody's really, but when it's inaccurate and you just got some kind of mental hang-up in you, tell her to turn her keys in, her credit card, and goodbye. You don't owe her anything. I'm just telling you, Pastor. If you want to give her a little severance pay, you can. I wouldn't, but you could if you want, if you're going to feel guilty about it, but get rid of her. Well, we want to walk in love. Uh, you don't want to stand too close to me if you say that. No, love for a pastor is protecting the whole sheepfold. This is why when things occur normally, and my staff can tell you, I try to deal with it. I, I try to be lenient if I can be, but if, like somebody one time, we had a time when we would greet one another, and one of my men was... Uh, fooling with the ladies if I could say that gently I could say it I don't know how to say it gently and they came and told me and I, go, I took one of my men maybe Sean I don't remember if Sean was working for me then but another man went in the office and said sit down a minute you stop it you don't touch nobody for no reason even if we say greet one another sit down And if I hear this coming from one more lady that you've uh, touched her or uh, held thing, you know, did things inappropriately, you're out of here. You're, I'm going to make you leave my church. You understand me? Yes, sir. I said, I'm serious about it. Because, see, people don't want to come and feel like they've th- threatened by being molested in a service. Yeah. Ladies, you ought to say amen. Yeah. 
I'm not mad at you, but you're inappropriate. You need to get you need me to cast the devil out of you. I'll do that. But maybe I don't know what it is about you, but you don't handle people like that. You're married. Handle your wife like that in yeah. private. That's right. <laughs> Golly. Did you really say that? Yeah, and a lot more I won't tell you because I don't think you can handle it. You look like steam thrown up. Your hair's starting to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, that's why he put Titus where he did, remember? <laughs> Titus. <laughs> All right, praise God. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11. I'm just about done for this first hour. I mean, where have we went? All over the world. <laughs> And you know, all the pastors everywhere I went in the world, when we know each other well and they sit down and talk to me, they the same stories I've just told you, same thing happens at their church. And uh, the ones that are bold deal with it like I do, and the others just suffer through until it tears their church up. I can't help people like that if they won't take a step. And they're just going to mess up. Yeah. I can think of another family that I tried to rescue because they asked me to, not because I intruded, but because they asked me to sit down and talk, and I did. And I said, do you stop this right now? You need to do this. You need to get rid of this and not do that. And they didn't do it. And they went from a church of 450 to 50 people. They're not even there anymore. See, you just have to realize that certain things have to be done. If you get in a position like that, it may seem dramatic to a person from the outside, but it's really a rescue for that family in ministry. And I had to say to this one wife, if you don't stop this, if you don't listen to me right now, you had me drive here in a place in America, drive to meet you and your husband. If you don't stop this right now, you're done. Don't be talking to me about your ministry. You don't have a ministry. People that know and are suspect of your behavior and your attitude and things that are going on, you stop it. <laughs> Nobody's going to believe anything you say. You're going to have to stop and do what I've asked you to do. And I don't know, fall back in love with your husband or something. And he was in the room with me when I said it, bawling his eyes out. Because all this had hit the fan. I spent several days with him privately. He was having a nervous breakdown over this. So don't act like I'm hardcore. I'm trying to salvage a ministry couple here that's very fragile right now. Because there's been infidelity and all kinds of stuff. And then the people in the church in that particular country, in any country, it'd be the same. They're starting to be suspect of things and that people know certain things and then they scuttlebutt talk and you know, it's just falling apart. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm not being mean. I'm trying to help somebody. And I think they finally did get a lot straightened out and they moved away someplace else now and maybe got a fresh start. I hope they did. I wanted them to. I wanted to continue to be their spiritual father, but she didn't want anything to do with me once I told her, you don't have a ministry living like you're living. What is wrong with your brain? And I jumped up and grabbed her around her head and said, Come out of her in the name of Jesus. And foul spirit, Amen. loose her and let her go. Amen. And I think she got offended about that. What do you do when you're sitting in a room with a husband and a wife 
and he's already found out a lot of stuff. I don't know if anything I asked her that he didn't know, but he's crying over there on one side of the room, and I'm trying to deal with her. And she's talking about her ministry and getting back. In. What is it you don't understand? You don't have a ministry right now. You need to, you need to salvage your marriage. My God, you've got several children here. They're all going to be destroyed if you don't stop it. You can't run off with this guy and come back in three years and expect your children to ever be normal again. Listen to me here. See, I mean, you know, and I sound brutal to probably to you, but I'm dealing with a family and children, several of them. And, uh, you know, uh, anyway, praise the Lord. I didn't mean to get emotional. I'm just talking to you. See, this is what having a real spiritual father means. And if it means they have to eject me because I'm too real and too genuine, that's fine too. I wish she hadn't have done that because I called her several times after that, tried to reach out to her, tried to leave. I left, of course she knew me. I left my name and said, please call me. I want to talk to you. This was after our event in the hotel where we had this uh, conversation that was intense. You can, and I was crying. I wasn't just screaming, I was crying. Don't do this to your family. Don't do it. I know everything seems like whatever, but don't do it. <laughs> You're going to pay a price you don't want to pay. That's all I could do. Tell them the truth. Try to rescue them. Then some people, like I say, some listen, some don't. And, and I don't know why she got such an attitude about me. I did say the husband's right about everything. I talked to him privately about some things too and said, well, you need to take care of business if that's not being taken care of. Do I need to elaborate on that or are you with me? Thank you. And, you know, we just have to be real and genuine. People in ministry are real too. They have real families, real issues sometimes, and real. but you've got to have a spiritual father. If you need him, and even if things are going right, you need your father to understand what you're doing, approve of what you're doing. Right. You know, not that doctor comes in here and checks with everything and your ushers are not right. and this He doesn't do stuff like that. <laughs> He's here to help me and I'm here to help him. And, and we work together and he doesn't try to run this church. But certainly I'm not stupid. I appreciate his opinion if he has a thought about something I want to know what he's thinking he may pick something up I'm not discerning or he you know but he's never trying to force that on me he's trying to help me is anybody listening hallelujah thank you for joining us today to view Dr. Jacob's travel itinerary order products and more please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.